you're listening to High Temperature Times, where highly engineered dirt meets highly engineered podcasting. My name is Griffin Patterson, and I'm an application specialist with Harbison Walker International. It's a big year for HWI. We've got company acquisitions going on, new products to launch, and a whole new manufacturing plant coming online. It's that last one that I'm excited to talk about today. This year, in the great year of 2023, HWI is improving its service to the steel industry with the new Alabama One plant. To talk about that, I'm pulling in some of the men behind the curtain, including Senior Director of Commercial Operations in Steel, Jim Skelly, Director of Application Technology, Crawford Merton, Director of Engineering at Alabama One, Jason West, and Alabama One Plant Manager, Mike Carter. With such an excellent group here, I'm excited to dive deep into the story behind Alabama One and how it's impacting our customers. Welcome, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, Griffin. Nice to be here again. Yeah, of course. Maybe it's best to start with a little history on the area. After all, Fairfield is not foreign to the name Harbison Walker International. Uh, Jason, can you take us down memory lane? Sure. I can tell you a little bit about the plan and the original, you know, where, where it came from. So the original plant was built in 1906. Um, we added the tunnel kill in 1956 to start making uh, high aluminum products there, mainly for the carbon bake industry. Uh, the, the main product for the site uh, was originally based around, like I said, high aluminum for the aluminum industry, but also blast furnace brick and rotary creel blocks. Um, before uh, the Fairfield infrastructure was housed around 106 employees hourly and 18 salary employees. It was a three-shift operation um, producing around 30 to 40,000 metric tons per year. So that's kind of what the site was. And maybe adding a little more color to that, the end market for that primary aluminum, you know, the customers that, that Jason mentioned, that market went through a big uh, transition in the United States. You know, I think 2012 was kind of the peak of production of primary aluminum in, in North America. And key driver of making uh, melting aluminum is, is energy. It's like 40% of the total cost. And what happened over time is, is the primary aluminum making migrated to regions of the world where energy costs were lower. That's why you saw a lot of that being made up in Canada, uh, where you had a lot of hydropower, low energy cost. And it just, today I think uh, the United States represent like 2% of all primary aluminum. So that market just went away from us. So aside from the fact that we are familiar with the area and the property, why was Alabama chosen for a new plant to support the steel industry? Yeah, I, Griffin, I kind of in the middle of a renaissance in, in steelmaking in our country. Um, there has there are just a myriad of ex- capacity expansion projects uh, underway um, that have been completed to this point and are underway or in the planning stages. Um, you, know, you look at uh, you know, the projects that are, uh, that are on the books for steel production from 2020 to 2025. It, it's roughly, I think, 25 million tons of new steel capacity. Uh, that is either has come online or is coming online. So we, our main facility uh, where we produce mag carbon brick is in White Cloud, Michigan. And um, I would say three years ago, um, we were we were pushing the limits of their capacity to supply the market. You know that was really the driver of, of why we were looking to, to to build a new mag carbon plant and service the the market. Those projects uh, that our customers are undertaking to build out capacity was the driver for us to, to follow suit so we can better serve the market. Do you want to add a little bit about why Alabama specifically? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up a little bit there and Crawford think about it as well. But Alabama is going to surpass Indiana as the top producing state uh, in terms of steel production 
for the first time in, I don't know, 100 years or whatever. Indiana's dominated that position forever. Alabama's going to overtake it. And, and so that was a key part. And plus, our steel customers are very focused on uh, getting carbon-free or reduce their carbon footprint as much as they possibly can. And part of that uh, calculation gets to how far they have to transport goods to get to their plant. And so we picked up a secondary benefit of that with uh, lower uh, lower freight, uh, shorter distances to those customers in the south where, where Alabama is located and all the steel customers that are adjacent to that plant. So that was a big, big side benefit to us. Yeah, it's 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 that's a really good point, Jim. You know, and being in close proximity to to our customers, um, to be able to have that, you know, the, the short turnaround times, and be able to, you know, supply their needs in this you know very dynamic market. Um, our ability to do that from two points that are in close proximity to the you know, to the major steel producing areas in our country was was very important. I think it's a strategic advantage for us, and it, it provides a lot of value to our to our end users. How long has this development been in place? And, you know, more to that, what were some of the challenges that we came up against in the process? Well, the, the big thing was that the you know, site was shuttered in 2019 and had been idle. Um, and we had to convert it from a high alumina product manufacturing process to a mag carbon process. Um, a lot of things with the infrastructure of the site had to be changed, you know, which took time, uh, electrical, uh, pneumatic, hydraulic, everything presses had been sitting idle. So, you know, the refurbishment of the machines and also just a general layout of the site about what it was going to be from a lean manufacturing process flow, because we had pretty much a, a, a clean slate here to start with, which is rare. And we was able to actually design the plant so that it is efficient and also very productive in a highly automated setting. So that was some of the challenges and the good things that we were able to do with the site. For me, I think some of the challenges were identifying and developing a strong workforce, a strong team. Um, you know, you want to be able to, to start with a solid foundation when you start anything, and you want to identify people that's going to fit the culture that you're trying to build. And the culture we, we want here is one of engagement and inclusiveness. You know, we want guys that will be able to take the knowledge that we give to them and transition it to the next individual so we can keep the learning and the development going. So identifying those solid individuals to create that, that strong foundation, I think that was one of the uh, biggest challenges for me. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Mike. Um, so, so, you know, speaking of challenges, I'm sure there's nothing quite like integrating new age technology into an industry and from the sounds of it, a plant as old as fire itself. Uh, what were some of the cool new technologies that HWI is featuring at Alabama One? Well, the, the neat thing we were able to do, like I said before, was start with a clean slate and design the, the site from start to finish in a, in a lean environment. So we didn't uh, spare any expense. We went after the, the best of technology. When I talk about our robots, uh, we talk about our presses, we talk about our full integration of our data system, our data flows, our batching systems, all fully automated, uh, mixed delivery, everything from what we call the back of the house, which is where the raw material enters in, all the way to finished goods, I mean, can be run physically with two to three people, uh, which is unheard of in, in our industry where you have so much manual operations. This site, uh, using some platforms we call Ignition, which is our biggest electrical platform that uh, basically cross-functional across all of our PLCs. We did replace every PLC in the site with uh, Allen Bradley uh, 5000 Suite Series processors. Um, and, and everything's fully integrated through our Ignition platform. 
So everything from the back of the house, we call, like I said, grinding through the press operation, the matching through the ovens, all the way into packaging and the finished good can be traced and tracked through the system. Um, it's going to be a, a great benefit for our customers moving forward once we get all the, the pieces tied together. And it, it's going to take HWI to the next level because this is the foundation of what we built here. We will also roll to the other facilities in the near future. Yeah, and Jason, Jason if, I could, if I could just make a comment. I, mean, I think the, the layout of the plant was, was really well thought out, and it, it allows us the flexibility to be able to grow as the market grows with the addition of uh, you know, additional capacity. Um, at the site, uh, I think that was that was some great great foresight on your part and your team's part, um, and I think it's going to have benefit uh, to us in the future. Also, like the uh, the fact that that we're going to be able to incorporate the technology uh, to produce a barricade in the future uh, at Alabama One, which barricade is our fastest growing product line, and uh, it, it solves a real good a problem a, a big problem for our customers when they're experiencing vertical cracking um, associated with thermal cycling of the ladles um, and the barricade, uh, the elasticity that we build into the technology um, is, is providing great value for our customers and it's increasing the, the campaign life of the ladles. So, you know, our ability to be able to incorporate that technology in the future at Alabama One is going to be a very nice value proposition for our customers. So I'm, I'm curious how the people of the town have taken to the announcement. I imagine the decision to close the plant back in 2019 wasn't quite a welcome one in the town, but the decision to bring it back must be helping with job creation. Uh, Mike, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Well, well when we decided to, um, to bring it back, we did bring back some of the uh, former HWI employees because, you know, it's just the history, the knowledge and uh, part of that foundation. We also targeted some of the local foundry employees, such as uh, we got employees from U.S. Pipes. And with automotive being as big as it is here, you know, that industry itself uses a lot of technology <laughs> as well as it creates a sense of urgency to get things done. So when you take all that and, and you mix it together, you, you, you bring vast experience, you know, a most craft of experience that each individual can bring here to this team to help us get better. So, yeah, when we first started this, of course, in getting the city, going down to City Hall, getting the permits and everything and regulations you have to do when you start a project this big, um, there was a lot of uh, back and forth uh, with City Council. Um, they were very positive and very supportive of the project. Um, uh, we worked with uh, Birmingham uh, Business Alliance downtown that actually helped us with some of our programs. And we, we, we partnered with them on a couple of different initiatives, and one of them being our training program. And the, the city hall and the guys there really liked that we were actually using local people and actually training them within the state of Alabama. So, Mike, I'll let you talk a little bit about the, the training and things that the people went through before we even started to sign up. Okay. Well, before we start up, we, like Jason said, we partnered with uh, AIDT, and we got people the basic, the, the basic functional needs, right? So some of the training the guys went through were, or, you know, lockout, tag out. They got forklift certifications. They did uh, OSHA 10 training. You know, the, the necessary tools that they would need to get started here and be successful, right? So you wanted them to be fully prepared, and you wanted, them, you wanted the guys to be safe. So we started with the platform, and uh, we took full advantage of the training that was offered by the state. Um, Jason, you mentioned the staffing back when it was run uh, as the Fairfield plant. What is the staffing now? Um, before, uh, the site had 106 hourly employees and 18 salary, like I said, with a three-shift operation. 
now with the automation of things that we have, the site is going to be currently has 19 hourly associates and six salary team members. And the targeted output is going to be in that 15 to 20,000 metric ton range the first year and then building thereafter. So a whole lot less people, uh, a whole lot more output and uh, technology and the automation surely has showed its head here. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's an important thing to note. Alabama One uh, will increase our overall mag carbon capacity by almost 50%. Um, and so giving a, having the ability to have that a capacity available to us puts us in a really strong position to service our customers as they're growing. And when you think about the, the expansion that's happening, it's all around electric arc furnace, fuel production. And the plant itself will be able to produce a, a full line of electric arc furnace mag carbon bricks. So it's not just ladle, ladle brick production. We're also producing uh, mag carbon bricks for the EAF application as well. Not to mention the role that the efficiency is going to have on the financial aspect of these products. Yeah, I think, you know, as you add the new technology, um, if you ha- as you, you know, you have the ability to be producing products at, at two different sites, there's, there's synergies there, there's process efficiencies that, that can come to play. I would like to I would like to talk about some of the environmental things that we did to the site. I think that's big to to talk about. Absolutely. So in in, in the design and build, uh, you asked some of the challenges. Um, uh, the, the site had a lot of issues before uh, around water remediation. So we did a a full plan external to the site to help with our water remediation uh, to help with environmental issues. We also added uh, complete full scale LED lighting throughout the whole site so that we can take advantage of you know, lower energy cost. Um, we used anywhere we could uh, soft start type system VFDs on our motors in it for energy consumption. And then we also went through and we added uh, a thermal oxidizer to our exhaust on our, our oven. Um, the amount of product, products the first year going through, the state really didn't require it, but we just knew it was the right thing to do. Um, so we went ahead and added that, that what we call a TO, a thermal oxidizer, to help with our emissions as well. So a lot of things around the site's been targeting to move forward. We went with all electric forklifts throughout the site to help with that footprint for our carbon footprint. And we're, we're looking at our energy consumption uh, through Alabama Power and seeing what things we can do in our peak and night peak hours for, for energy consumption. So not only was the site built around lean manufacturing and also, you know, high automation, but it was also looked for from an environmental standpoint. I understand that uh, Alabama is somewhat unique in their electrical grid uh, that is pushing us to consider more electrical options for the entire plant, not just the uh, the lights. Yeah, like I said, the, the big thing for us is using our, our big uh, energy consumption items on our on our off-peak hours, um, you know, trying to do that, the, the ball mill, the grinding, the stuff that uses the high energy, the presses I have to run when they run. But the other things, we can stagger shifts and do some planning around that to help with those energy consumptions. It's really unique. It's a, from an ESG perspective. So another aspect of our service offerings that people in the area might have noticed is that we've also relocated our global sourcing center, or or some people might call it a distribution center, to the plant itself. Uh, Jim, can you shed some light on that decision and the impact that it can have on our customers? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we did have a global sourcing center in in Birmingham uh, that was, I want to say, seven, eight miles away. but what this afforded us to do was to create like a create a steel serv- a steel hub, if you will, and, and Crawford will talk about the service aspect in a minute. But just the mere fact that we're able to relocate our GSE in, into the facility, uh, into the shipping area, 
And we've got uh, new docks that for unloading and loading make it very uh, efficient for trucks to get in and out. We were able to, you know, reevaluate what we're carrying in that GSC to serve our steel customers to help us uh, build our share at the customers that, that we serve out of that location. But it also really benefited the industrial side of our business as well, provided that, you know, efficient operations and, and, and just became a, a really nice uh, move to get all that transitioned into the site. And so it's all in one now. Yeah. And uh, since we're talking about the full picture of what's going on at the facility, I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, value added services hub. So Crawford, uh, what's the goal there? Yeah, it's, a, it's an important part of our, you know, our offering to our customers. Uh, service plays a, a, a major role in, 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 in our daily activities uh, you know, on our customer sites. And, and a lot of the, um, let's, let's say that a lot of the advances in technology and application is, is in the form of, of automated application equipment, uh, be it, uh, you know, robots for uh, spraying tundish linings, uh, or robots for applying uh, gunning material inside electric arc furnaces. You know, there's there's quite a bit of advancement in the technology there, and and we're supplying this to our customers, and we need to be able to service that. Um, so so the hub itself is going is going to be an area where we can uh, store spare parts uh, for these advanced systems, be able to do maintenance on the equipment. Picking up on what Crawford was saying about the vast <clears throat> building that we have on site. Again, this speaks to supporting our steel customers that are in the south. And we just didn't have this before. It was more, you know, kind of dislocated where we had things stored, et cetera. Here we're able to put all our pumps, all of our maintenance equipment, uh, have it ready to go. Uh, we can repair it when it comes back from the site to get it go, you know, go right back into service. And we'll have a team that will have locally there that can go out and do emergency repairs and things like that, that, that really support our steel customers and industrial customers. It's not just, you know, the steel, the steel folks, but with yeah. so many steel customers that are, I mean, virtually there's two right there in Birmingham and there's Decatur down the, the road for one of their biggest new core sites. We have tremendous opportunity to you know, grow our service footprint and bring a whole bunch of value added uh, service to to those existing customers, so they're going to be excited uh, when they see that that structure and what it has to offer them. Yeah, you know, it's it's really like the intangible things. Like you don't need to make big waves with the value added services there, but just making sure you you supply a consistent offering that the customers can rely on every time makes a big difference. Now, I'm sure there's more to come for Alabama One than just what we've heard here today. Um, what are the plans for the next few years as we continue to expand our offerings in the steel industry? I know Crawford mentioned earlier the barricade line potentially opening up uh, in Alabama one. Uh, what else you guys got? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty excited. We're just this week, we're kind of uh, had some breakthrough ideas and going right to implementation. You know, we've got a uh, an owner that is basically saying, hey, wh where can you guys invest and get a great return? And we've got some ideas. So we're going to be working with YCloud once again. And, and back to that facility, you know, we're going back into YCloud to expand uh, basic mono production. You know, we are picking up tremendous amount of market share and a very rapid pace on Tundish applications, whether it be spray or the vibrate material. So we're excited about, you know, those two product lines bolstering our next leg of growth uh, in the steel market. My basic statement was just going to be growth. You know, uh, we want to continue to grow. 
So, yeah, I was going to say the same thing James said, not in that detail, <laughs> but from uh, experience and uh, financial standpoint, growth. So uh, you can go ahead and take this part from a planning perspective. Yeah, so the next phase, I guess, the next phase currently is, is finishing up, you know, what we've started. Uh, due to supply chain issues, obviously, all of the equipment is not all completely installed. We're waiting on a few robots to get in from our presses. We'll finish those things up. We have a little bit of work to do in our batching systems uh, with our automated uh, metal powders and things of that nature. But we target by, by the end of July, the site will be complete from an equipment install, and then we'll start with our process improvements. Uh, we do have a process engineer on site there that will help work through those things. And it's just making the site more efficient. You know, you can plan and engineer the best you can, but there's always those things that can always be better. And I think, uh, you know, from what Mike was saying around growth, the site was laid out very well uh, in open areas so that if we wanted to add more machines or do more to make the site grow, the ability's there. The, the, the footprint is there. The building is, is, is ready. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nothing but bright things for the future. So Great. And I, I know it's not about Alabama 1. Sorry, Mike. But um, I, I just absolutely I feel like I have to mention another HWI expansion designed to better serve our steel customers. And that's the capacity expansion at Thomasville. Uh, Jim Crawford, you care to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Griffin, we're really excited about our investment in our Thomasville facility. Um, Thomasville is one of our, our three plants that produce functional products. What I mean by functional products is uh, precast shapes or pre-assembled uh, brick shapes. Um, there's a lot of ergonomic benefits to pre-assembling these pieces. There's also performance benefits to being able to design intricate shapes uh, using castables. Um, and we're seeing a real growth in that market. And so, uh, you know, we also, we understood the need to invest in capacity uh, in, in one of our major plants for these product lines. But the investments that we're making there, it's not only in capacity, it's also uh, giving us better control over our production process. And, and the end result is we're gonna be producing uh, higher quality, higher performing products out of that facility. So we're very excited about that. So Crawford, I'll take it from the engineering side and talk about some of the equipment we put in there in the last two years. So, so at Thomasville, yeah, we've, we've put a lot of investment in there in the last two years. Uh, we put a 600-degree a dryer in, a two-car dryer, to help expand their capacity and also makes their quality better. We've had a lot of humidity controls, their current processes that they have. We've added a new curing room that can handle uh, up to, I think, 12 different molds. So a very large curing room to help the capacity. Um, we're also partnering with another company to some new technology around their, their flipping of the molds. These, these cast shapes are really large, right? And being able to do those, they use a, currently a 20-ton crane to flip these. And it's a little tough on the mold. So we've partnered with a company that actually will be able to design, or have designed, we just got to get it finished and built, that the, the forklift will actually come in, set the mold on a piece of equipment. It will rotate it 180 degrees by itself and then flip the mold over. Forklift, pick it right back up, set it right down. Even flow, smooth transition, not a lot of beating and banging. So it's not only going to help with the quality of the product, but it's also going to help with you know the safety of our employees there at the site and the way they handle those large, large shapes. So that's some of the big things. We've we've added um, walkways, we've expanded doorways there uh, to make the product better. We've added a um, two 10-ton cranes that gives them more efficiency around the site, just to make it more of a lean type environment so that they can work more efficiently but also safely. Yeah, that's a that's a, yeah really great points there, Jason. And the plants uh, located in the great area to be able to service the whole southeast. 
um, where it is in Thomasville, Georgia, very close to I-10 and I-75. And so we're in close proximity to our customers. And that can be really important when you talk about the big shapes, um, because, you know, we're, we're casting some very large pieces that, um, you know, can be difficult to ship efficiently to, to the customer site because you can only get one or two of them on the truck. So being in close proximity to our customers provides additional value uh, when you think about the logistics side of it. All right. Thank you all. I know it was a lot of questions and a lot to talk about, but A, I don't get this opportunity to talk with such an all-star group very often. And B, there's a ton of stuff to talk about when it comes to how HWI is setting itself up to better serve the growing steel industry in the coming years. Alabama One is coming online soon, and it's going to make waves in the industry. Thank you, Jason and Mike, for your hard work on putting it together and taking the time to tell me about it. And thank you, Jim and Crawford, for sharing your insight on how we align customer needs with delivery. If you'd like to learn more about Alabama One, any of our other manufacturing plants, or how we can better serve you in the steel industry, reach out to us at tactical-marketing at thinkhwi.com. In the meantime, keep on keeping on and building this country and keeping America so efficient in steel production. Thanks for listening.